Hi, I'm Elise Kennedy. Welcome to Jardin's Startup Tech Series, where we host entrepreneurs, venture funds, and technology companies on trends across the industry. Today, I've got the pleasure of being joined by Songtrack, your brand founder and CEO, Ola Saz. Thanks for joining us today, Ola. Thanks for having me all the way in Australia. It is a long way from where you are. So that's a good segue to say, before we kick it off, I'm keen to get a bit of your background, where you're based, your entrepreneurial experience, and then also go into a bit of where the origins of Soundtrack, your brand, came from. Right. Yeah, no, I, I consider myself somewhat of a senior citizen, honestly, in the, in the music tech scene or in the music streaming scene. Soundtrack as we kind of roughly referred to it, Soundtrack Your Brand is the company's name is my fourth music startup since jumping over to music tech almost 15 years ago. So I'm in Stockholm, Sweden, where also Spotify is and SoundCloud and actually where Beats Music also was as an initial stealth project. And um, it's cold and it's dark and you wouldn't want to be here right now. <laughs> so that's <laughs> I where I'm at. I want to tell you what Australia but, is like right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want to hear. And, um, and so we have nothing else to do here than to code music startups, basically. So that's what we do. Jokes aside, 15 years ago, roughly, I took a romantic but also rational decision to try to make a living with my passion, with one of my passions, music. And the short story is that I'm still doing the same thing as I set out to do 15 years ago, um, actually 13 years ago to be exact, was in a digitized music market where production, distribution and consumption all was going digital in parallel. And you would be able to access all the music in the world anywhere, anytime, which was the thesis I had would happen and uh, a company or the player in that market who actually is able to filter or curate or serve the right music to the right place at the right time would be an interesting technology slash company or or problem solver in that market of abundance and that's what happened basically here we are 13 years later with all the music in the world at our fingertips anywhere anytime mm-hmm. so i've built companies in with that thesis couple of companies last one was spotify business that i started with spotify which was the first step towards the b2b market of streaming and before that i was one of the co-founders of beats music that got acquired by apple and became apple music so i've seen it from the inside and both from a consumer perspective and currently working with the b2b perspective of audio and music streaming Fantastic. And maybe let's go to song track. Can you give a little bit more about who are your customers that you're tapping into there and what's the revenue model? Well, soundtrack is very simple to explain. If Spotify is the car, then we are the truck. So <laughs> that's that's uh, doesn't sound that interesting, right? But it's <laughs> it's the B2B version of everything is different from a consumer service. I mean, it's built for business. If you're a business, then you need to buy a music service where you can manage all of your locations, all of your customer experiences around the world in real time. And you need to do it with a product made for business where you're controlling the music from a central point. You're playing different music in Chicago than you're doing in New York or in Sydney or in Melbourne or in Stockholm. Different time zones, different customers walking in now, whatever you're running for a business. So the product is completely different. The 
customer is completely different. The use case is completely different. And the licensing is completely different than a consumer service. So I was on the consumer side. I got asked so many times from businesses, how can we relate to music streaming? How can we have music streaming in our business that finally I had to build that business? And that's what I'm doing now with Soundtrack Your Brand. Fantastic. And I'm curious, what prevents people from just streaming their B2C the Spotify in store. Is that a regulatory thing that they've become aware of? Or, you know, I've seen that around here. How do you drive the, you know, regulation or how does that occur? Well, first of all, it's we're the first licensed company in the world to actually mm. provide music streaming. So believe it or not, the B2B is 10 years behind B2C. Wow. So first of all, it hasn't existed. So obviously people have started to use consumer services, but it is actually the equivalent of using a Netflix account to open a cinema. Yeah. Uh, and people don't do that right. But it's exactly the same type of IP issue. But it's new and we are educating the market together with the rights holder. But rights holders' interest, we pay rights holders. Yeah. First of all, a business subscription costs $35 or $50, depending on what tier you're using. And obviously, that pays more to the music creator at the end of the day if someone's using music to sell more coffee. Hence, the IP owners and the music creators equally interested in actually monetizing their music correctly when used in a commercial domain. Absolutely. Makes sense. And what is your geographical footprint? You mentioned a few of the countries before, but can you rehash on what and where their business is today? Well, we've... I've spent five years doing 16,000 licensing deals, which is more or less the equivalent of Apple or, or Spotify, <laughs> consumer side, but for B2B. And that means that we're now serving up 58 million tracks in 75 markets. I mean, you always want to be in more markets, but 75 markets is more than we can handle as a small company. We're actually just 75 people. So we got <laughs> one employee per market we're live in currently. Australia, New Zealand included and parts of Asia Pacific. But our core focus right now, we launched in 2018. So we've mm. spent 2018-19 rolling out 75 markets. Then we've spent almost two years trying to survive COVID, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, but now we're starting to look up again. So we have what we need in terms of geographical coverage as of now. We're very focused on the Anglo-American kind of market, so including your own market, but U.S. is first for us. Fantastic. And you've got such a wealth of knowledge about the space as a whole. I might move on to the industry and talk about if you've got any estimates, if you've tried to size what is the size of the market, what are some of those industry growth drivers, and do you notice any differences across those global markets? So from a pure like business case perspective, the B2B music market consists of 128 million potential addressable venues playing music today. Mm-hmm. And given that our ARPU, our average revenue per user is $30 per subscription, that's 360 per year per subscription times 128 million, that provides a 40 to $50 billion market on an annual basis. Mm-hmm. Compare that to the current consumer streaming market that's at 80 billion, and it's expected to grow to 120 plus in this decade. But it's an, a significant incremental value expansion of the music streaming market that B2B mm-hmm. can provide. So, a 40 to 50 billion dollar blue ocean market opportunity for the music industry to correctly monetize this market. 
it's not as big in terms of actual users as the consumer space where you know Spotify are gunning for a billion users. That's their mission right now. And they're like halfway there, more or less. But in terms of value, once again, it could be, you know, 30 to 40% on top of the consumer market. So really interesting, low-hanging fruit for the music industry in terms of expansion. Yeah, very interesting. I might ask and use that as a segue for unit economics of the business. How much goes back to those that are getting the licensing in the business? Does it vary by song, by duration? How does that side work? I mean, music streaming works through a model called what's referred to as a greater of model. So as the example, just for simplification, let's use $10 as a starting point in consumer streaming. It's not $10, they buy the way it's $5 in the global art, but $10 is what you referred to then. So Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, all of them usually pay out roughly 70% of that $10 to mm-hmm. rights holders, meaning the music market. So $7 goes to the music creators somehow, meaning publishers or labels that then furthers those royalties to their artists, if you're the label side of it, or the songwriters, the composers, if you're on the publishing side. But roughly, Spotify gives back 70% of what's being collected from their consumer customer. And a consumer account roughly pays, let's take the example of a label, a label extracts around 2 to $3 a month per consumer subscription, right? For a B2B subscription where we're charging five times, so our on-demand product, which is comparing apples to apples to Spotify or Apple, Apple, Apple to Apple, so that was funny, but um, it's, <laughs> it's actually five times more that we're charging and we're paying them 10 times more. So every time a consumer service is being illicitly used, the label in this example is missing out on, you know, 10x on what they should be earning. So it's important for the music industry. And that obviously flows through the music creators Mm -hmm. later on. It's important that business use is correctly monetized in order to pay the songwriter at the end of the day that should be paid when her art is used to sell more coffee. I still really like that Netflix example in the cinema, as you say. It um, makes sense visualising it in that way. And in the competitive landscape, is there anybody else doing what your business does today? I mean, there's legacy providers. I mean, background music as a phenomena is nothing new. I mean, it's Mm. been around since before you and I were born. I mean, people have been listening to music in elevators, in coffee shops, in restaurants, whatnot. But music streaming has not been enabled for b2b uses until we did the licensing it's based on you know when i started looking at the market it was like people are still using cds and satellite feeds and things like that which kind of feel quite unreal when you think about it but it's just it's very new and b2b market has not been provided the opportunity yet up until today and we're the first player out and we most certainly won't be the last And I'm just curious, how do you differentiate yourself from some of your peers? And how easily can your business be replicated? Can you talk to some of the barriers to entry? Yeah, I mean, any business can be replicated for sure. And I often get the question, the relevant question from an investor is always, or the second question I think is, why isn't Spotify doing this themselves? Or why is not Apple entering into this space? Or why shouldn't Google enter in this space? And my response is always, they can at any time. Mm. And they, they might one day. But I will always have a six-year head start. 
Mm. That's the first statement. And the other one is, we are a small laser-focused company. We're building a truck and they're building a car. They can always expand into the truck business, but usually they focus on winning that battle first. And the consumer markets are still just, you know, in the initial stages of being penetrated globally, believe it or not. So they will stay focused until they have a billion consumers. And Spotify, for example, are obviously focusing on consumer audio. So they're expanding beyond music into podcasts and and expanding the business within the consumer realm rather than into B2B market. So we will stay focused on this niche, which is a multi-billion dollar niche, and we'll keep building a better truck every day. There are competitors in the space. If we take away the illicit usage of consumer services, which will be a problem until the market fixes it, but they will fix it because money drives IP owners. It's an IP-driven market. If you own IP asset and that's under-monetized, they tend to fix it with a couple of lawsuits. Uh, but there are legacy providers in the market that still sell clunky old technology without the correct reporting or remuneration to artists and so forth. And God knows what they're using. Anything from satellite technology to homemade streaming solutions that are not connected to the rights holders correctly. And we have a problem with those players in the market, price dumping and selling on promises and so forth. But that will also be regulated by an IP market. As mm-hmm. soon as the IP owners read Universal Music, Warner, Sony, Sony ATV and so forth, start seeing the royalties flow in and the reporting according to value chain, this market will be harmonized. This market will be legalized. Mm-hmm. And there will be a level playing field where mm-hmm. we compete with potentially other challenges in this space. But we will always be six, seven years, eight years before yeah. or in the lead. Yeah, it makes sense. On the unit economics of the business, what do you find is the biggest cost today? And how do you see that evolving over the next several years? I mean, like for all content-driven software services, it's royalties to rights holders. So we're paying out the bigger proportion of our colleagues to rights holders, which we should, because we're distributing their art. We are a B2B SaaS company in its construct. So we're comparable to any B2B SaaS company in terms of intake and, and you know customer expansion, customer acquisition, and all those things. But we also have this huge chunk of cogs that need to go to rights holders. But we also have this huge chunk of like defensibility and barrier to entry by the complex content model. So it pays off as well. I mean, doing 16,000 content deals is not trivial. It will take anyone, Google, Apple, or anyone years to get there. Yeah, which is, as you said, the head start, which your business has got. And perhaps we'll look at M&A. There's been, in some spaces, a bit of consolidation that's occurred globally, you know, or, you know, what happens if some of the other businesses on the other side decide that, you know, you're right for adoption? How do you think about M&A and the future of the business space that you operate? Well, M&A is always an interesting path that a CEO has to think about. And as a complementary growth opportunity to organic growth, right? So that's obviously the first reflection on m and is are there players in the market that we would be interested in consolidating, potentially for technology or for market share? And the short response is no, because we are kind of driving the technology. Mm-hmm. And I'll use Spotify as an example. They've looked at multiple acquisitions through the years of buying market share or buying competitors. They always come up with the same conclusion that it's cheaper to actually acquire them yourself and it's way less complex. 
So sometimes M&A is not rational. I know it's not the right thing to tell an investment banker, but <laughs> organic growth for as a company is powerful. <laughs> yeah. Then again, I mean, I also need to relate to potential revenue expansion. I already have 50,000 business subscribers and and we're growing very, very rapidly into, you know, nice restaurant entrepreneurs, nice retail entrepreneurs, bigger chains and so forth. Potentially, we could expand the revenues within our customer base. So that's another M&A path that I look at. Could we acquire complementary technologies to expand the value per customer? But we're so early that right now we're laser focused on becoming the global leader within music for business. And there's, you know, 100 million plus venues out there to focus on. So once again, my religion is focus. And we need to focus on executing on that path first. Then obviously, there is a consolidation play of the legacy players that could be interesting. There is potentially incoming interest in, in consolidating us into some of the bigger companies that I need to relate to as, as uh, the CEO and the chairman. But I would hope I'm able to build this company organically in another 5, 10 years and build the world's biggest you know, music network. It's exciting. So you've mentioned there about being laser focused. So if we think about your strategies for growth over the next 12 months, where are you going to really hone in on and push hard in? It's like, let's just hope that we see some type of beyond COVID, even though we're seeing what's going on in the world right now, but we need to think beyond it. Like yeah. I can't really think about like properly going for it until we kind of put that behind us, but we are growing already at around 5% on a monthly basis. So we are kind of moving into hyper growth already. But the laser focus is completely on the North American market for a couple of reasons. One is make it in the US first, like as a media company, that's just like the unwritten rule. The second is that we are actually able to provide a better product in the US because we can also consolidate what is called performance fees, meaning like when you buy our subscription, you cover all the rights in order to play music. And in other parts of the world, you actually have to pay societies for that and our service. So in the US, we have a relative benefit right now in terms of solving problems for our customers. And the US standalone provides 30 million roughly venues playing music. So... If I focus there in the upcoming years, that will be enough for me. But that's obviously not the ambition. It's it's to go global, but it's a big enough market to build billions of dollars in top line revenue. Absolutely. And my last question, conscious of your time, is just around your experience. I would love to know, given your vast array of businesses in the space, what do you think makes a successful business? What advice can you give to us investors of things to look for, of successful businesses, and perhaps even things to avoid? Well, it's back to kind of the So B2B is what I'm learning. I've always been on the consumer side. So I've been really like focusing on B2B SaaS companies since I started Soundtrack and learning from the best. So let's say Slack and let's say Shopify and Expensify and so forth. And it's such an interesting business model because it does have potentially the growth scalability, intake scalability of a business to consumer business because you could sell online, you can sell sell service, but it has the expansion extra bonus of a b2b business so if you look for really interesting companies it's the b2b SaaS companies that are able to recruit globally through an online intake model read slack but with a really nice expansion route so you bring in one restaurant in chicago and all of a sudden 
that restaurant is a part of a global chain and that restaurant starts growing as an account. So we call it SMB land and expand. And I think that's an extremely interesting model. And there's a theoretical framework called product-led growth, which we follow, which is like the self-service online focused SMB focused SaaS companies are in that space right now. And I think to your question, I think if you find a market that is addressable through product-led growth opportunity, meaning that the product and the proposition is easy enough for a customer, a B2B customer to actually self-service onboard without humans involved and also self-service expand without humans involved, Mm -hmm. then you have a diamond in terms of growth potential. And if you have a team that is smart enough to stay laser focused on that opportunity and not get distracted by incremental opportunities and go dig right there and drill that diamond drill into that market, I would say finding a market that where PLG works, which no one else is active within, and a laser-focused team with competitive edge to plan and expand that. If I was an investor, I would look for those cases. Fantastic. That's great insight there. So once again, Ola Sars, it's been a pleasure to have you on the series today from Soundtrack Your Brand. Let's circle around next year and see where we're at. But I'm excited and have good future prospects as to how this business is going to go. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much.